This is the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast, session number 395. Desiree Eckert on microdosing hypnosis. Welcome to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast with Jason Lynette, your professional resource for hypnosis training and outstanding business success. Here's your host, Jason Lynette. You know, I've got to say it is about time we have a conversation on this podcast that hits all the important topics, everything ranging from energy healing to psychic tendencies to costume design to uh, microdosing, and then, of course, over to evidence-based hypnosis and witchcraft. You know, like you do. That and a flawless shade of green brings in a phenomenal conversation you're about to listen to with me and Desiree Eckert. If you haven't yet seen the images, her hair has these incredible green highlights. And this is a conversation I've been wanting to capture for quite some time that I really first got to know Desiree through our ICBCH Train the Trainer program, though also kind of hanging out in some of the same circles, whether it's the different groups that we run online or HypnoThoughts Live. And she's someone, as I tend to brand it as, is really a worker, someone who dove in headfirst and quickly found her own unique approach, found her own specific style, while also, as you'll hear, clearly giving credit where it's due to the places where she has learned different aspects of her approach, as well as being able to highlight those things that are absolutely her own. Uh, plus, a real leader in this profession now, running a phenomenal online community that you're going to hear her talk about inside of this week's episode, and links to everything, of course, in the show notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com. And I'd kind of point out some of the bigger takeaways of this conversation that not everybody ends up doing their first hypnotic experience with a specific goal in mind. As she said, it was kind of respectfully an aimless experience because there wasn't really a set intention, yet this natural meditative flow state that came from it was something that she'd already experienced many other places in her world. And as a person who identifies as a lifelong meditator, found that sort of missing gap to connect the work she had already been doing with something that then put an umbrella around everything which is where she now draws a very eclectic crowd for the training programs that she does as a certified instructor of hypnosis. I'd encourage you to check out the show notes at worksmarthypnosis.com because there's an interesting invitation that she makes here towards the end of the episode uh, to get free access to one of her really cool communities and check out some of the work that she's doing. And we'll do our best to find some of the references uh, towards some of the research that she speaks about. I got to tell you, this is my favorite part of the conversation, that given some of the communities that she speaks to, this intention of making it a point to bring evidence-based hypnosis into those worlds kind of brings a whole bridge between our community and so many others. Plus, listen carefully, especially when we get to the part of the conversation about focused autonomy, automatic habits, and how it is we become more skilled as clients, as hypnotists, as well as really experience the hypnosis process from a brand new angle. Again, you got to check out the resources and notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com to check out her YouTube channel, her Instagram, as well as her website with that very, very generous offer that she's made for all of you out there. I know I'm going to be checking that out too. While you're there, check out Hypnotic Business Systems, 
Com. One of the big topics of this episode is that of consistency. And there's a whole principle in marketing of frequency and recency that uh, you can you can law of attraction things all you want, but you got to let the universe know that you're there. And if you're stuck on the guesswork in terms of how to bring quality clients into your hypnosis business, Hypnotic Business Systems is a program that I teach. It's entirely self-directed, though there is a thriving community attached to it, where the history of this is that it used to be tell you what to do, then it became show you how to do it, and then over time, it was an amazing benefit for so many of you that I closed down Virginia Hypnosis, the business that I ran for a dozen years, and moved a thousand miles away, because it kind of gave me a little bit better permission to just publish my stuff and tell you, here, use mine. So there are complete done-for-you marketing campaigns ready for you to launch in your business to use with your name on them to get you up and running even faster. That's the give you the fish part of the conversation. The teach you how to fish is, of course, the part about how to then, of course, make it your own. If you're struggling to get clients, if you are the best-kept secret to the people that are out there, Hypnotic Business Systems is the program that I've created, which, yes, there are more than 240 hours of digital content. However, this is why it's called Hypnotic Business Systems. Everything is organized into individual action plans. So here's the systems mindset. Pick one or two things you want to focus on. Learn those. Every module stands on its own. Get those up and running. Here comes an automated system bringing clients into your world. Now that those are running, look around, choose another one, build that one out, launch it, automate, pick another one. Do you see how I have not actively promoted clients' work of my own for quite some time and yet still seeing new clients, still seeing referrals as a result? This is a reality that we have helped hundreds if not thousands of people around the world to achieve. This program has been around for years and it's uh, an amazing thing. We get a lot of great feedback on. Head over to hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. Check out all the details and join now to get access to your fast track to hypnotic success. And with that, let's dive directly into this week's episode. Here we go. Episode number 395, Desiree Eckert on microdosing hypnosis. So my first formal session with a hypnotist was actually at a time when like I was totally aimless and I had no idea what I was going in for. And I actually had a stalker at that time. So I was grasping at straws. I was trying to figure out what to do. And I was seeing my astrologers, my tarot readers, and I tried hypnosis. And in that one session, I was like, there was one part of me that was definitely in hypnosis. But as also a lifelong meditator, I realized like, I'm doing this all the time. I never thought of attaching a specific outcome to it. And also, this is a very, very familiar place. Um, this is the place that I'm in when I'm in a flow state as a former um, costume designer and tailor, also jewelry maker. Like That is a very recognizable place that I could identify. So I became fascinated just after one session. And many, many years before that, as a kid, I had chronic pain, let's call it autoimmune disease, since as long as I can remember. And this was in the 90s, you know, before the internet was like a place for information. So I would spend most of my childhood like in the bookstore, in the library, trying to find out like about my diagnoses. But I always would get kind of lured over to the metaphysical section or the occult section of the bookstore. And those um, practices, the things that I learned, you know, just from reading those kinds of books, that was my first encounter with hypnosis really was an Edgar Casey book on tape, actual cassette tape. Nice. <laughs> yeah, in middle school, you know. And so it all just kind of like 
you know, my whole kind of life before had flashed before my eyes in that one hypnosis session. And I realized like this is hypnosis is a little bit of um, it became kind of the umbrella under which all the other things that I was into fell almost everything. So I love it. And yeah, became obsessed right away. I am curious to ask and tell me to shut up and move on if necessary. <laughs> no, which would be that you mentioned that, okay, there was a situation with, of all things, a stalker, yet there was the hypnosis and you were kind of what we would refer to. There's many different definitions of content-free hypnosis. You kind of said it was more aimless. Like what was that thought process to even connect with the hypnotist? I just, yeah, I was just ready to try something different. And I wondered if hypnosis could help. And, um, you know, in just some of the few questions they asked me before having me close my eyes, I realized, one, I have PTSD. I didn't even think of that, like, obviously, but I was still in it, you know. And, um, and yeah, I just kind of got so much clarity in that session. And then just, yeah, just learning what hypnosis was and having that mission to kind of go on a quest for all of the knowledge of what, you know, what is hypnosis? How can I find ways to, to use this? The state that I'm already, you know, at that time, I was spending four hours a day in meditation because I had this person like outside my window, yeah. literally in Brooklyn, like just a few stories down, waiting to encounter me or ringing my doorbell. And I had to go into deep trances to, you know, just get away from that a little bit. So um, I never thought of using it to an end. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I, I got a lot of clarity in that session, but it was also just the introduction to this incredible modality that I'm like, I know, like after my whole life bouncing around different, trying to learn different things, hypnosis is like, this is where I'll be for a really, really long time. I'm happy to be on this journey for life because you could be here forever and still find all new stuff, new connections to make, new ways to use it. Which that's interesting, too, that, you know, we often have that experience where the client might be releasing something that even they didn't know they needed to release. They may be, uh, I've nicknamed it over the years, residual trance effects. <laughs> I try to give it a fancy name that the person who quits smoking also starts eating better and uh, is a lot less stressed, though that very clearly has some connected resources to it. Uh, I was curious to ask, though, that you mentioned being a lifelong meditator. And the people who often don't have that specific experience, it's a little too easy to fall into the generalizations that meditation is this, hypnosis is that from, from your experience. And you've hinted that there's a lot you know, of overlap that was there. How, how would you define what's really different between hypnosis and meditation from your definitions? I like to call hypnosis, and this is how I tell my clients too, that it is a state of, um, you know, some people will call it a state of focused awareness. I like to call it a state of focused autonomy. It is you coming back to yourself. And as a hypnotist, you know, when I finally understood hypnosis, I was like, everyone needs this. This is a life skill. So I really think it's you coming back to yourself. And yes, there's so much that you can do with audios and recordings. But when you are, you know, with another person, with your eyes closed, even if you don't exactly know what you need or want at that time, there is so much clarity that can come in in that session because there's that contract there. Like there is like this, you know, something has to happen in that space and time. You've paid for it. You've, you know, you're sitting there, your eyes are closed, something has to happen. And it always does. It never not happens. That's why I am actually really, I love working with people who don't actually know what they want because we can always get some clarity there. <laughs> Yeah, that's a, I, I'd be open and say that's a category that I struggled with early mm -hmm. on as to, well, I don't want this. I don't want that. Well, what do you want? I'm not sure yet. 
is it more about just bringing them to that state because from that comes the clarity? Does it come from just a willingness to go into the process without a well-defined outcome? Like, how would you, how would you address that? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll usually ask if they, they can list all the things that they don't want, you know, and that people always will do that. And then you could just ask, what do you want? Or what's the opposite of that? Or, you know, what if none of those things mattered and you just close your eyes right now and we just call on this part of yourself that, you know, is the thing that's doing things for you in the background all the time, you know, and it's always trying to take care of you. And, you know, what if we just like call on it to be like, as like a peer, it's not this, this background player right now, we're bringing it here with us. And let's ask it to drop some insights in. And, you know, I'll often quite, quite often in a first session, I'll use just metaphors with somebody. So I'll do, you know, Mike Mandel's mindscaping. When I first learned that, that's always my first session now, always. Mm -hmm. Because we'll usually resolve things that we didn't realize needed to be resolved in that, uh, in that mindscape, you know, um, I don't know if I'm even going on a tangent now, but I recently had a client who came to me to, um, they wanted to stop being um, stressed out by their partner's snoring. And in the mindscape, it was very clear that they had a lot of apprehensions about the relationship. But as we worked through the metaphors and kind of, you know, using like some modalities and stuff, it became pretty clear that they wanted to make it work. And so then by the second session, which is more straightforward hypnosis, like, they, they were fine. They don't, they don't even tune into that anymore. The snoring, it was just this anxiety about the relationship, you know? So yeah. I don't know if that answers your question at no, all. That, that does. And also opens up a really interesting conversation here, which is that balance between, and it had its sources even before Erickson. So even though Erickson did some incredible work, it's in my opinion, unfair to label metaphorical work as being Ericksonian hypnosis. Stories existed before. Let's still mm. give him a ton of credit. Also, apparently he liked the color purple. Let's give him that. Yet, <laughs> is that was that a natural development for you to kind of balance that more, let's simplify it with technical speak, that balance of indirect hypnosis along with direct hypnosis? Yes, absolutely. And that speaks to, you know, the part of me that that is a healer that used to practice Reiki. You know, I, I love that kind of stuff, but... Um, you know, the reason why I never really went all in with Reiki was because I didn't want people dependent on me. I really, that's why, you know, to be a, hip, a, to be a hypnosis instructor now, I love it because I was teaching from the very moment that I started practicing as a hypnotist. I wanted everyone to know and have skills and, you know, I was teaching workshops. But, um, but as a healer, you know, people are sometimes, you know, very much reliant on you and they forget that they have a lot of this. But when I do healing work, I'm using some modalities very often like that's it's like a very natural language. So these metaphors come into my mind and I can kind of shift them and change them, move them around, push them out. That's what we're doing. Um, and most people can who, who do healing, energy healing can relate to that. So that was that really spoke to me. I also work a lot in my own dreams. I don't really do it with clients so much, but I always will pull that in. But it's not like a service that I offer. But um but dream symbols, you know, these are the same things that show up in hypnosis and, you know, in mindscapes or in any kind of metaphorical thing. There are these images from the subconscious and the, you know, you don't even have to necessarily know what they mean as long as you're acknowledging them. You know, I always say remembering your dreams is kind of like self-hypnosis, I think. And, you know, it's just acknowledging these symbols, the way that your subconscious is speaking to you. So, yes, um, very much like the metaphorical stuff speaks to me as as a healer. And, you know, with that kind of background. Yeah. And going back to something you mentioned before about, 
you know, different flow state experiences. And you even mentioned, you know, our shared background of anything involving, um, you know, theater, your part mm. side was more on the costume side. But what you mentioned about getting into that flow state, I'm imagining that's probably referring to like in creative mode, you kind of get lost up in that experience. And I was curious if that now informs methods of how you even guide your clients through the process, or even if that adapts the approach to self-hypnosis. Yeah, well, I like to definitely um, let people know that these kind of hypnotic moments, you know, they're, they're happening all the time. So with that kind of proper pre-talk, people start to understand right away that this is a natural part of their day from the moment that they wake up in the morning. If you can spend, you know, start with 15 seconds with your eyes closed before you open them, before you wake up, you know, and, and then ease into a few minutes and maybe 10 minutes and remember all of your dreams. Like, so starting to utilize those first two trances, the, the first trance of the day and the last trance of the day, I always tell my clients, you have two free self-hypnosis sessions every day. <laughs> so start with, by using them. And then eventually you'll notice that you're in these little trances throughout the day. Cause that was one of the biggest like aha moments in my first training that I did was in that, you know, first week going in and out of trance all the time, I realized that my whole life I had been clairaudient, but I just didn't know what it was. And it would always come in when I was in a flow state, when I was sewing or working on a project for a really long time, I would um, get a lot of audio information, like psychic information. And this was just something that was in me, you know, it was just part of my life experience. So I kind of took it for granted. But it would drive me crazy sometimes because I would try to find the source of it. It sounded like a little bit like a, a radio going in and out. So so once I would kind of come out of it and try to find where it was coming from, it would go away. And it just like, so I, I recognized the trance as that common denominator. And then I could actually control it, you know, at will. I could tune in and tune out as I, now that I was aware of that. Which this perhaps leads to the most abrupt transition we can possibly do here <laughs> in this conversation, uh, which was that, you know, someone at this point, let's call it out, could be listening and the woo-woo alarm just went off. <laughs> and yet I know part of what you focus on is training people that are also intuitives, mediums, healers, in an approach to, get ready for this, evidence-based hypnosis. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we got to talk about this. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's like amazing. So I... Having that background, first of all, you know, being into, yes, I was kind of written off as woo at some point in my life. But at the same time, you know, I did Reiki level one training three times because I wanted to know, is there more to this? Like, what is this? Like, and, and that's why I love neuroscience, because to me, honestly, it explains a lot. And it, it just gives me this language to talk about these things that I did believe in but I couldn't really explain. And, and now I feel like I can explain them better and use that, like a neuroscience-based framework to, to actually talk about these things. So as somebody who is into that stuff, once I became a hypnotist, I would still receive Reiki. I have a longtime Reiki practitioner, um, go to astrologers, tarot readers. But I realized actually as a hypnotist now, I had this extra tool where, you know, when someone's giving you a forecast, you know, first of all, there is that rapport. I'm going to them because I know they have something, they can guide me, they, you know, they have the information that I am seeking. And so, um, you know, their words hold a lot of weight. But at the same time, giving someone a forecast, that's, that can be very limiting or constricting. And as a hypnotist, 
I could go into a session like that, receive a forecast that could be a little bit like, oh, next June is going to be really rough for you. Um, well, I can now identify resources and future pace myself through those kinds of uh, situations and actually change the outcome and be a different person in that transit. So I think it's really important for people who already have clients to know hypnosis. And it's amazing teaching these people because they realize they're already doing hypnosis. It's all clicking into place. It's like, it's so fascinating. And it's not just like, oh yeah, well, I'm already doing this. And now they have this, but now they have like a new language when they understand how the brain works, how memory works, how the nervous system works, like how we actually change on that level of the brain and the experience of life they can use that same language to talk about the the more woo woo things that they do and um and it's just it's amazing i don't i don't know it doesn't really fail to amaze me every time this last batch of hypnotists every person in there was a medium you know and healers and witches and it's just so cool Because I think that the future of hypnosis is incorporating these people. They already have clients who are seeking their guidance. They trust them. That is like everything in the hypnotic relationship. And now they can do what they do even better, laced with neuroscience and always know, you know, what's the right thing to do. And and I don't know. I just think that's so important. There's a anecdote that I think was recorded. One of the episodes that Melissa Tears was on here, and it was the question as to, well, do you find a piece of research and then figure out a series of techniques to emulate the research? Or do you figure out the technique and then respectfully cherry pick the research that backs up the technique? And I think she (laughs) responded, yes. Uh, Which brings it to, from different points of view, we'd often find this place where I, I kind of live by this premise that we all kind of agree on most of the same stuff. We just have different ways of getting there. Mm-hmm. And it's the different pathways is where people would have conflicts along the way, yet it comes to the same desired outcome. Has there been any experience where, let's say, someone is holding on to their you know, systems of belief, their models of the world, that this is why this works, and was almost dismissive of the hypnosis? Or was it really there to kind of amplify a, let's say it this way, here's what also is going on in addition to what I currently do? Well, I think hypnosis absolutely amplifies everything. So having that knowledge. So I think it's so important for everyone to know, to know it. I think everybody should know it in some, you know, even for their themselves. But it is funny because I do get a lot of people who um, like clients who are very much witches. <laughs> and I, I also am. And I, you know, I see, well, what I was doing with spell work, that is just like a very like, you know, eyes open, you know, very kinesthetic kind of hypnosis. But, um, but it's funny that I will every now and again, find a witch who comes my way and is very skeptical of hypnosis for some reason. And I just can't rationalize that. But <laughs> that, <laughs> but yeah, it's just so funny to me. But, um, but that's where the, the neuroscience comes in. So can I can just like simply explain a little bit of like what's happening and, you know, how trance is a natural part of their day. And, um, and you can just use it with just intention to, you know, remind yourself of your the outcome that you seek. And let's just close your eyes and go through this experience, um, you know, and telling them how, how memory works. That's always a big one. So I think that that works as the convincer for the people who somehow still are skeptical of hypnosis. <laughs> I I have to defend that in some way as the person who basically paid his way through college doing close-up sleight-of-hand magic. And still, it's not that I'm repulsed by it or turned away from it. I mean, I'll watch it and I'll follow it, but I'm like, I'm the guy who's like, I should be more into Harry Potter. Like, (laughs) this should be a thing I like. Yet, it's just 
can't get into it and just so I get that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, then again, well, let's not go in the direction of the uh, extremely picky vegan conversation. Um, <laughs> uh, I'm vegan. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's people who do it exceptionally well, and there's others that are extremely picky at it. And right, to the point right. of, no, I just think, you know, let's move on. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> how How is it most of your client? I'm imagining there's an overlap between people that would then be clients as well as students. How is it, for the most part, they're finding you? Yeah, it's all really been a lot of word of mouth, a lot of referrals. So, yeah. so that's great. Um, I have, you know, definitely a big healer community from my Brooklyn days that are um, referring me and into doing my training. So it's really awesome. Yeah, and then speaking of evidence based, yet also mm -hmm. slightly on the fringe here, the fact that there is a ton of research around microdosing, mm -hmm. and uh, I will not even try to ask the question here, I will just let you take the lead on talking about this project. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, my, my weekly microdose of hypnosis. I make short, like under 13 minutes long, weekly hypnosis audios, and I've been doing it for over a year now. And it's really just about the idea that um, it's these little things that we do that can kind of set the foundation for much bigger transformation. So, you know, and there's so much research in short form hypnosis, short form meditation, and the benefits are kind of like, you know, it's kind of like fractionation, which is, you know, you know, coming in and out of trance and going deeper and faster each time you do train yourself to go into hypnosis. And I've seen long term from the, the people in my community, it's now a paid membership community, but the first 30 of them are free on YouTube. I did it for a while and, you know, tested it and made sure everyone loved it. And then they're like, I would pay you for this. And I'm like, okay, so it's $13 a month. It's really cheap. But actually, in January 2023, it is going to double. So um, but it's yeah, it's just these, these short form uh, hypnosis meditations for for different outcomes or for just stillness for training your nervous system to relax, you know, and and I have seen, like I said, people who didn't think they could sit still, some some of them are more imaginative, more active, but I really like to remind people that you, you can train yourself to relax, you can train yourself to focus, you can train your perceptions. I mean, that is how I got out of, you know, decades of chronic pain, you know, it's just, it seems very magical, but there's so much evidence for it. And there is a lot of evidence for um, the short form hypnosis and meditations. Thankfully, like people like Andrew Huberman are really out there talking yeah. about it and sharing a lot of that research. So it's an exciting time <laughs> for hypnosis, I think. Well, I think some of the same answers inside of everything you just said, which yes, a pre-talk helps to resolve this, helping to redefine what the person's expectations of hypnosis are versus what it will be for them, even from a subjective standpoint. Though, how would you respond to someone who, you know, maybe brings up the concern that either I don't think I can be hypnotized or here's one I'm still surprised we hear from the hypnotic profession. I'm not a good hypnotic subject. <laughs> yeah, that word. And I don't even F1, like to use the, the word subject. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> um, you're not being subjected to anything. You are, you know, it's that's why I like to define it as that state of autonomy. You are coming yeah. back to yourself here. This is, what do you want? This is all about you. You're not like under any outside force. So, um, so side note question to that. Okay. When the client brings that language into the process, mm -hmm. does that opinion change? Their opinion? I'll, I'll give the story behind this real quick. Okay. It was a podcast that I was a guest on, and 
we record the episode, he goes, hey, that went a lot better than I expected. I had a hypnotist on years ago. We never released the episode because he started screaming at me because I said under hypnosis. And I slipped and I said that during the recording. And I go, well, step one, I know where he learned that animosity as a lineage because there was someone who used to teach that quite heavily. But then again, are you comfortable with that phrase? He goes, yeah, it doesn't bother me. I go, well, great. Then you would love being under hypnosis. Right. <laughs> I don't say it because, yes, there is a expectation around the word under. Um, then again, this is mostly a qualified audience. Teaching hypnotists who already do hypnosis right. how to do hypnosis better. So <laughs> um, I'm trying to rephrase the question then. I'm not good at autonomously doing hypnosis. Let's roll with that then as a modification. Mm. Okay, yeah. So in that situation, <laughs> I would just like <laughs> ask them about any, what are their like automatic habits or what is nice. those, you know, there's these like, you know, as this, this is why hypnosis is a life skill because I, I can't imagine not, my life has gotten thousands of times better by knowing hypnosis and actually by, you know, over time being able to step in between myself doing the thing or making the perception or even making the judgment of the other person and coming right in between there and realizing what the, this is what I'm doing. And, um, and here, let me kind of respond differently, or let me just be aware of my, you know, what I'm doing here. So, um, but I do, you know, I love to let people know of those, you know, most people can relate to the driving trance, so, you know, they, people get that, uh, people who drive. I never used to use that in New York because nobody drives. I don't drive, <laughs> but, um, but, um, or I will soon, let's say, but I just got my license, but, um, yeah, you know, people understand these, these everyday trances and, you know, by just starting to pay more attention to them and using their two free self-hypnosis sessions a day, they start to realize that this is a place that I can go into, that I'm already in, you know, when they're scrolling Instagram for what feels like 10 minutes, but it's really been a half hour or 45 minutes, you know, a lot of people can relate to that. And that's a trance, you know, a trance-like state. And what if you could use that same attention, that same, you know, kind of mind space for something you actually want, uh, you know? So, so people start to, I think, get it when they realize that it's happening around them all the time. Every time they're triggered by some external thing, you know, there is an opportunity for you to actually just, just change that. And you can do that in the moment too, you know, and people don't realize that. Well, it also comes around how something that you alluded to is that we're building a skill set. Mm -hmm. And the more someone does something, the better they get at it. And that kind of leads us to just the topic of consistency that, you know, even though, you know, you did this for quite a while and it was free and now it's behind a paywall and you're someone who I see very active in social media. Could, could you speak a bit more so on the, you know, consistency side of things, whether it was, you know, for business or just simply getting that message out there that, hey, here I am, here's the work that I do. Mm, yeah, the consistency that doing the so the way that the, the microdose my weekly thing grew is like it started on Clubhouse. It was just me and another um, an Akashic Records reader. And every week, you know, I would do a short 10 minute hypnosis in a live setting and she would do an Akashic Records reading. And I was like, at some point, I should do something with this, I should record them. So I just started recording them just audios. And then I sent them to my email list every week. And then I started making videos to go with them and putting them on YouTube. And then I did that for like 30 weeks. And then, you know, at some point it turned into, but, but yeah, it becomes a ritual. Like I, my Sundays are not complete without doing that. Now I do them ahead of time. I, you know, I kind of do them in batches, but, um, but it was around the time that I did my first hypnosis training. I was uh, doing my first batch of hypnospawn were being born and, um, 
And, and I had to take a few weeks off from doing that because I was just, you know, supporting my students. And I felt like I missed it. But I'm like, I have to be able to, you know, to do, so, you know, get something in return for it, because it is important to me. But, you know, it's important that it is valued. So, um, so yeah, so it's just building, you know, it starts with that little thing, um, you know, and then just building on it. And being consistent and proving to yourself that, you know, it's always those identity level things like this is what I do. This is just part of my life now. I have to share the anecdote. I'm pretty sure it was Scott Sandland that when I hit like episode 315 of this show and like yours is coming out in December is number 395. Mm -hmm. But it was somewhere where I put out number 315 that Scott Sandland goes, oh, you're serious about this. (laughs) Like, you're really keeping this thing up. I'm like, yeah. And then I think that might have been the cue to go, I'm going to take a month off (laughs) and and then come back to it. I'd I'd be curious if that consistency, has that served a benefit to then people elevating from that community then to -to one-to-one services? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, and I just love the, the quote from Andrew Huberman. He says, neuroplasticity loves a non-negotiable contract. That really speaks oh, to me nice. because, yeah, this is that contract. You, you're making that promise. You're going to put this out every week. You know, you're going to rise to the occasion. Your brain is rewiring at the idea of doing that. So I just, I love that. And, and it is, it just becomes part of, of the way that you live in this world, right? So it's not like, it's not an extra responsibility. It's like fun. And yeah, those people have come to my um, uh, training, actually, that's, you know, a lot of people can see what you know, how I work and what I do. And uh, also people who are members of that community now get a discount on all my other offerings. So they'll come to my workshops and stuff. So yeah, that theme of non negotiables, have you brought that into your client work beyond the short form hypnosis? Yeah, yeah, I love the idea of making a a kind of a contract, you know, and I think affirmations are contracts, you know, a lot of people, I think, roll their eyes at affirmations, I think that they're really powerful. I've actually like, experienced life altering shifts based on one really simple little affirmation. So, um, so I view those kinds of things as as these contracts, you know, and then when you think of, like a smoker, that them, you know, finishing lunch and going outside, like they're they're that's kind of like a contract for them. So we have to always make new ones. What's the new contract? What's the new thing that your brain is kind of rewiring to accommodate now? Um, so yeah, I think the the idea of that contract is is big. Well, that's just share an insight on that. It's something that the theme of this crept its way into the programs that I do, where you would want you would think that I'd want the client leaving and going, oh, this is amazing. I'm now going to the gym. It's so much easier. And yet when they're talking about it in that way, they're still organizing the change as being something novel, as something being unique versus what does the person do who was already doing those things, you know, mm-hmm. and as someone who, you know, previously did used to weigh a lot more than I do now, it was never the sweet tooth. It was just maybe too much of the healthy things. <laughs> and <laughs> there was always this, oh, how can you eat that way? It's like, it's vegetables. It's food that I can label what it is. Oh, or you want to diet? No, I actually like broccoli. Um, <laughs> but this, how do we observe the changes as if that's just now part of the norm? You know, the person who hits the gym at six in the morning, how do you do that? Well, it's what I've always done. Mm. I really like that theme on the the non-negotiables. Where where would be a good place for people to find that are not yet familiar with Dr. Huberman's work? Like, where would you recommend they begin? Uh, His Instagram, I think, is really good because he does a lot of lives and uh, extra stuff that you wouldn't see on his podcast. Yeah. Huberman Lab, at Huberman Lab. Got it. 
Got it. So then looking at the world that you've now created inside of it, um, I got to ask, what's the what's the part of it that you're the most excited about? My microdose. In terms of the entire structure of your training, your client work, the membership program. All of it. Well, I'm really excited about um, in, you know, in the new year, I'll be adding kind of macro doses. I have a lot of fun plans for the micro dose community. So I'm really excited about that adding, you know, um, they started as kind of these lo-fi voice notes, but they're getting, um, you know, there's, there's going to be more variety and I take requests. Um, but I'm just, I'm so excited to train more hypnotists. It's so exciting to, you know, realize that you're actually putting new hypnotists out in the world, you know, and when people start brainstorming what they're going to call their hypnosis practice, I'm like, wow, this is real. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're really going to go out there and change lives and, and working, you know, teaching people who already have clients, you know, for other things that they can actually change their lives at a much deeper level. Now, I just, I just love this. So that's, I don't know, I'm just really excited for more of that I've only done two trainings so far. And my third will be in March. Nice. So, well, congrats yeah. on that. And, and thank you. Are the majority of them people that you mentioned this before that they're coming in from other modalities, other backgrounds? How often are they looking to just to supplement what they currently do? versus here's another completely different skill set that I can offer or perhaps migrate over to. I think it's both. So yeah. that's that's what's exciting about it because they are their minds are like overflowing with ideas from what I've seen like how they can incorporate this into their sessions but also like how they can use what they already know to create now new hypnotic experiences. So I'm giving them all a challenge for World Hypnotism Day to like offer a, either a free or a paid workshop just kind of, you know, explaining hypnosis to their clients, like giving their basically their pre-talk or sharing an experience and just um, putting it out there so people know what they're doing with it. I mean, it goes back to that consistency that for that to even be there, it had to happen at least once to get things started. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So we'll put in the show notes over at worksmarthypnosis.com, the links to your YouTube, as well as the uh, Instagram page. Uh, where can people best find you? What's the best way to get in contact with you? I am on Instagram at Desmerized, and that's where I'm most active. I'm also I'm around on Facebook as well, <laughs> and um, just by my name. And uh, the website is? Desmerized.com. There we go. And yeah. that's where they can find the information on the, on the membership as well as the trainings too and services? Yes. Yep. Cool. Cool. Which we'll put links to all that in the show notes. I have to tell the backstory of this episode now, which is that I was there going, I need to have Desiree back on the podcast. And then I looked and went, how the hell have I not yet had her on? So uh, <laughs> finally to, came to your senses. Good to have you on for the second time, actually for the first time. <laughs> Thank you so <laughs> uh, much for conversation. Having me. I'm sure we'll have once again. And then you had mentioned uh, for the desmerized.com website, you had a bit of a special invite for people. I do. I have a free trial of the weekly microdose membership. So um, you can sign up through that link and just get a no strings attached. Check it out. It's like a limited uh, trial. Excellent. Any special code for that? Or is that going to be the link that we'll put over on the show notes? Yeah, that's the link. Okay, yeah, great. A lot so, of hypnotists in there too. They love it. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, which we'll put that again. Show notes, worksmarthypnosis.com. This is episode number 395. Again, great to have you on here for the second time, really for the first time, it turns out. <laughs> uh, any final thoughts for the listeners out there? Yeah, hypnosis is a life skill. You know, practice it as that. Use it in the everyday and teach your clients as it is. It's a life skill. They're using it all the time. 
Jason Lynette here once again. And as always, thank you so much for interacting with this program, leaving your reviews online and sharing this in your ongoing conversations in our incredible industry. We have playfully nicknamed it the Work Smart Bump. So as you reach out and say hello to Desiree or anyone else who's been a guest on this program, let them know how you found them. Uh, my mission within this program is that this is built for those people who are already actively curious about hypnosis, already doing hypnosis, and looking at elevating their skills and their knowledge. And my personal mission is that of finding people just like Desiree, just like some of the other recent guests who are doing some really cool projects and helping you all to see there's not just one specific way we have to do the work. So check out the show notes for this episode to see exactly how to connect with Desiree over at worksmarthypnosis.com. And while you're there, also check out Hypnotic Business Systems. Com. I gave you the more professional introduction earlier. Here's my favorite way of talking about it. Guessing sucks. Guessing is expensive, dangerous, and it's a waste of time. And it's not just a matter of money left on the table. It's more of a matter of there's lives that you are not yet impacting by running a properly effective hypnosis business. Let me help you to get there faster and easier and take so much of the guesswork out of bringing the right hypnotic clients into your hypnotic business. Check it out hypnoticbusinesssystems.com. Thanks for listening to the Work Smart Hypnosis Podcast at worksmarthypnosis.com.